Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Today, we are thrilled to have David DeWolf with us in studio. He is a 1999 graduate with a BA degree in communications and digital media. He was part of the Brothers of the Eternal Song household and is married to Teresa, a 2000 grad. Currently, David lives at the intersection of business, technology, and leadership. At the age of 26, David started a company that grew to be Three Pillar Global. He has grown the organization to 2,500 employees around the world in nine countries and is a leading voice in the industry. David won the Outstanding Young Alumni Award in 2010 and is currently the Vice Chair of the Board of Trustees at Franciscan. He has been a great gift to the university and we are excited to hear more from him today. You can find him at his website at daviddewolf.com, where he has resources about leadership and his podcast called The Evolving Leader. Okay, well, welcome, David. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, just, a, it's just a joy to have you here on campus. We love it. We can bring people to the George and get, they get to see it and experience it live. Yeah, it's good. It's fun to be back on campus. It's always like coming home to me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great to oh. be here in, in what, when I was here, was called the Twilight Hotel. So now I like the George a lot better. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. I think it's a <laughs> bit of an upgrade. Yeah. Absolutely, in a lot of different ways. Yes, for sure, for sure. So can you share with us where you're originally from and how you chose to come to Steubenville, to Franciscan University? Yeah, I, I like to say actually that I'm not from anywhere uh, and at the same time from everywhere. My father was in the military and so I traveled all over the world. Um, We averaged a move about every two years. And so as I look back, I went to uh, actually five different high schools, if you can believe it. So it was all over the place. We spent a lot of time in the Midwest, uh, North Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska, Colorado, those types of states. Spent a year in Belgium, a couple tours in Washington, D.C. So just all over the place. Uh, so Steubenville actually was the longest I ever lived anywhere when I graduated. Wow. Oh. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I and love that. So how did you hear about Franciscan? Yeah, you were with all those moves. Exactly. So my mom read Let the Fire Fall like so many parents of students, right? <laughs> um, when my sister and I were pretty young. And Christine, my older sister, two years older, actually, as soon as she heard about it, wanted to come. And um, I was the exact opposite. I refused to come as soon as I heard about it. (laughs) And so fast forward until my senior year of high school and my sister's here. And I had just moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming for the uh, my senior year. And it was a brand new place and small town USA, just really, really hard to fit in. And so during Thanksgiving break, my parents decided we're going to send David out to visit his sister and just kind of get him a break from being here. And so they let me take off some school. I came out here and I just fell in love with the the spirit and the joy and the love of all of the students on campus. And it, it felt like home in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, it just struck me the dichotomy between 
being in high school and feeling like he didn't fit in, didn't have any friends, and then going out just for a week and feeling like I was at home and amongst people that actually got me and understood me and loved me um, here for a week with college kids who are much older than me and, and should have thought that I was a little annoying high school kid. So um, I actually, for my come and see weekend, stayed on Chris Stefanik's floor and he took me under his wing. There it is. And uh, <laughs> uh, that was the beginning of the end for me. And I, I really felt the Lord calling me to be here actually through that experience. Um, and so I went home and this is the fun part of the story. Uh, I told my parents, okay, okay, I'm not only going to go, I'm going to go in January. And they laughed at me and they said, well, I'll tell you what, if you can get accepted, we'll let you go. And so the fun part of the story is I came to Franciscan without ever graduating from high school. Oh I was accepted three days before the semester. Oh my goodness. Don't tell anybody in admissions. I still don't know how it happened. Isn't that cool? You broke all the rules. I know. I, I know. like that. I like that. So then did you ever did you ever finish high school? Or is that the big secret? Well, <laughs> I, I, I never, quote, finished high school. But what they did was they took, I think I had to take a math and an English class my first semester. And they back applied it. And then I think somewhere, someday, they mailed me a certificate of some sort. But I, I've actually <laughs> never walked uh, either high school or college because of that. Because I ended up graduating in December as well oh uh, from Franciscan. So just kind of a weird school experience. Wow. So you really did start in January. I really did. So I was accepted three days before the semester. It okay. was crazy. And you visited, you said, at Thanksgiving. So so is, literally in a month and a half, yeah. you went from hating somewhere you'd never been to falling in love and saying, I'm going to be there yeah. as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. And they, they don't have them anymore, but you, every, most of our alum will remember still the old stations of the cross before they moved them. Yes. I was down at the stations and right where the wooden steps went right back up the hill, I sat down there. And that's where I decided. I remember the Lord saying, I called you here for a reason, and I want you to come. Wow. Come now. And Amen. there you have it. I ended up coming. Wow. And so when you got on campus, did you jump right in, or what was that like to start mid-year? Yeah. So, you know, one of the interesting things about moving around and being in the military is you learn to get to know people. Um, Pretty fast. It has good, right? good and yeah. bad, right? So. I'm a, I'm a horrible introvert, um, <laughs> but I have trained myself to get to know other people. Um, and so I, I did get to know folks pretty well, but what I had learned in school was you get involved with activities and so you do things. And so I would say that probably defined my college experience more than anything was I was involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, so Brothers of the Eternal Song household, um, I led the FOPs for a few years, um, but immediately, so had my first semester and then coming back, ended up running sound for the chapel and for the FOPs and, uh, and, and did that type of stuff really throughout my entire um, time at Franciscan and just loved it. I, I think the biggest thing that defined my Franciscan experience was opportunities for leadership um, and, and just learning to lead and to be with other people and work with teams to accomplish things. Um, and, and that was just a phenomenal experience for me. Now, I don't know many college students that would actually articulate it that way. Did you know, like, okay, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to try out for this leadership position because mm. I know it's good for me? Or were you just diving in and you slowly f started to figure out, oh, this is what a leader looks like, or this is what, this is the direction I want to go, or I'm, I'm comfortable in leadership opportunities. Or did you, did you have the vision or did you kind of keep stumbling into it yeah. as you were here? I, I think that vision actually became present while I was here. And so at the beginning, I stumbled into it. Um, but really, it became a recurring theme of my life. If, if I actually rewind, I can remember all the way back to 
it was in Colorado Springs. And so I'm going to guess I was a freshman in high school and I was a Boy Scout. And I remember joining this brand new Boy Scout troop and it was full of older boys, but I became the senior patrol leader. And I remember just having that entire troop of like hundreds of parents and kids following me. And that's my first experience of leadership, of remembering, wow, there's something here. Like God has given me a gift. Um, and I think that became a trend on campus. Um, it, probably around my sophomore year, um, I g began to realize I keep being put into these places of leadership and falling into them. And there's something here and I need to invest in this and grow it and figure out what's going on. Um, and then just had great opportunities to learn from some leaders on campus, uh, including uh, Father Mike at the time had a special, I don't know, student advisory council or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of it that he invited me into and, and different things like that. Um, and so just, I, I think this is where I learned that. I think this is where I learned my vocation of leadership and really uh, kind of formed that craft and, and became a student of leadership and, and a practitioner of leadership. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And we definitely want to get more into that and what that means for you right now. Uh, but we don't want to leave these college years quite yet. They're so fun. Let's reminisce forever. <laughs> yeah. Come it. on. Come on. Give us the good stuff. Uh, right? Did you know what you wanted to study when you got on campus or did that evolve? So I, I originally thought I was going to be an engineering student. Um, quickly became apparent um, that uh, I actually had a love for music. Um, so I, I think I mentioned that I uh, was the head of sound for a while in the chapel. Um, actually started studying communications and I thought I was going to be in radio and television production. Um, so I, I, my degree is actually in communications, which I look back on and I, I think was actually a blessing in disguise that I shifted because even though I ended up in technology, the reality is as a leader, communications is such a key part of what you do. So while I didn't end up in the mass media, um, it definitely helped form the way I communicate and, and write and speak and all those types of things. We've heard that time and time again from people that come on the show that one of the best things they've taken from Franciscan is their ability to communicate. Or they mm -hmm. have realized later, um, we had another guest that's, that works in the tech world, mm -hmm. and he was saying, actually, the biggest thing from Franciscan was I learned how to communicate and be part of a team, whether mm -hmm. it was like on household or intramurals or just in his major. So he said that's what set him apart. I think it's so true. And I see it all the time as I hire individuals coming out of school, no matter where they come from. The biggest deficit I see in uh, individuals graduating with degrees is they don't have the really practical, pragmatic skills. And I think Franciscan is very unique in that way because of the community, because of the households, um, because of the liberal arts education, a lot of the different things really form our students to go out into the world and do what you have to do in today's career, which is work with other people. Right? Be, be relational. Absolutely. I mean, that's like the key, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what else were you, I mean, it sounds like you were kind of all over campus doing So intramurals were really big. Okay. Um, so my freshman year, um, gosh, probably the most fun, I still have um, fun, fun, fun memories of playing flag football with Cactus Antonio. Um, uh, Cactus Antonio was a early, early team that was put together by AMDG household, actually. And I was on the adjacent wing. We went out and we bought... Um, 
female turtlenecks that were floral oh print, oh cut the sleeves off, and, and played flag football in, in those and, and had a great time. I think we made it to the championship game and lost, if I remember correctly. Um, but definitely had a great bit of fun uh, with that. And then ultimately ended up in the Brothers of the Eternal Song household, and we won a couple of Frisbee championships and uh, basketball and volleyball and everything. So uh, definitely intramurals. That's a good time. Yeah. They're, and yeah, they're still going strong. I feel like so many people just love the the camaraderie of the yeah. intramurals on yeah. campus. We were I was looking at the schedule um, in the gym. They have you know the schedule for all the intramurals and things like that. And mm-hmm. the names the names would not disappoint you, David. Oh, they they I are can't still imagine. they're still going strong. Okay. There's no what is it? Ca- what did you say? Cactus. Cactus Antonio. Ca- there's the no Cactus Antonio. Okay. But I think they're you know there goes Steve or <laughs> the one with the tall guy. I mean like we're getting we're getting creative here. So. I like it. Yeah. It's the intramural spirit is alive yes. and well yes. here at Franciscan. So, yeah. So, all right. So you've done all this leadership as a student. Mm. You graduate, but you don't really graduate. Is that it? You, you, you don't also walk. Were you like, you know what? I'm going to take the Irish exit. I'm also going to leave this way. That's right. Yeah. My, my mom is still very upset with me because I have oh, no. never, uh, except for now, now that I'm on the board of trustees, I come back and go to these graduation ceremonies. They put me in a cap and gown. And my mom's like, well, it's about time. You know, I was going to say with all the graduations you have attended, we can't get you across the stage. Isn't that crazy? In some way? Yeah, Isn't come that on. crazy? One honorary degree. I feel like you could pick at this point no 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 uh my mom would tell you also that i probably don't deserve any more than that but um it you know it's fun i didn't so i graduated in december and um i was engaged at the time and Teresa was graduating that next june and i went out searching for my radio job because i thought i was gonna be radio and television and my first job offer was for seventeen thousand dollars a year in buffalo new york and she looked at me and said, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no. <laughs> and so she sent me down to Texas. And so I ended up moving down where she was from in Dallas, Texas, and actually lived with her parents, which was a huge blessing while she finished school and started my career. Um, ended up getting a job in advertising and working with the, the advertising firm that I was with. My very first job was consulting to a technology company in San Francisco in the Silicon Valley. And we were building a website for him. And through that experience, I met a CTO of a Silicon Valley tech company who took me under his wing. And that's how I got into the technology world and ended up going to work for him three months later. Um, He turned me into an engineer and uh, wrote code for, gosh, the next eight, nine years uh, of my life, uh, including the last two of those, um, when... Um, you know, I, I started out as an independent consultant. And so it just uh, really the grace of God led me there. It, it was not intentional. I wish it could have been, um, but it, it wasn't. I learned everything from just incredible mentors along the way. Wow. And so did this kind of feed your later passion for leadership? Or, you? I mean, you, you've talked about it before, but did this mm-hmm. feed your later passion for, for leadership and mentorship? Yeah. So John was really pivotal in my life. He was an incredible Christian man who saw this young kid coming out of school with a lot of talent and just hunger and desire to do good. And after hiring me, he actually pulled me aside and said, uh, David, I've noticed there's something different about you. Um, I know you're just getting your feet wet in Mm -hmm. this professional world. And um, I've got another brother in Christ here. Every morning we get together and pray in the office and we want to invite you to see if you'd come in and pray with us. And, um, 
it was an incredible experience because here is this CTO, this man I look up to professionally that also just helped make sure that I got my feet on the ground as I left the hill uh, as well. Well, it, it turns out that he taught me so much, still to this day, one of the brightest technologists that I've ever met in my life. Um, but two years in, we were both working at a consulting company, and um, he helped to win a huge, really, really important project at Frito-Lay. And after winning this engagement for the company, um, he came to me, he pulled me aside, and he said, David, I've been watching you, and... Um, I really want you to lead this project. And he said, I'm going to be on the team, but you're a better leader than I am. This is your mentor. Wow. This is Pull my out. mentor. And <laughs> Two years into my career. Wow. And he's literally kind of brought you up like That's in right. this in this world That's of right. tech and everything like that. That's right. And so so he ended up saying to me, "Hey, there's only one thing you need to remember. It's it's not about you. I'm I'm choosing you because I think you have the ability to lead us as a team, but I'm going to he be here to support you. Just remember that it's about the results and it's about the people on your team." Wow. And that is really what launched me, I think, into to leadership is is his confidence in me and his recognition um that there was something there that I brought to the table despite my youth. And at that time, I, I still remember the team. I think there was one guy that was about five years older than me. Everybody else was about 15 to 20 years older than I was. Wow. And wow. Um, it was just an amazing experience that really formed me uh, into, into who I am, I think. And kind of put that exclamation point on the story that I had been hmm. um, living in my career here at, at the university. Right. It kind of confirmed everything that you had been experiencing mm -hmm. at Franciscan. Because sometimes when you're in the bubble of college, you can kind of feel like either a big fish on campus or this is my thing. I'm really good at that. And then you go out into the world and you think, wow, this, this world is a lot bigger right. than me. Right. And are these gifts and talents really that special? So is this true. actually where Christ wants me to serve? Is this mm -hmm. even, you know, like, what is my direction in this world? That's right. So that, that was a huge gift to you. Huge gift. And um, just the fact of how he did it, the way he did it, the humility that he had um, to recognize God's gifts and talents, but then also be there for me um, to coach me through the process. And wow. um, both both as a professional and as a man of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, to this day, I'm still incredibly grateful for that. and uh, And we stay in touch, so. Yeah, it sounds like a gift to be able to confirm like, yeah, these are the gifts that God gave me and somebody to help shape you and mold you into like using them because, yeah, you can have gifts, but if you don't know how to use them. Undoubtedly. That's, that's a big difference. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. After the safety net of Franciscan, you know, it's like, oh gosh, we still need guidance. You're still young. So what behind the ears? You know, no matter how old you are, you are. You're always <laughs> learning for there sure. So we, we always need... Um, brothers and sisters to walk with. And whether it's our faith life, whether it's our career, um, you can learn from all sorts of other people. And uh, I've found mentors in all sorts of different areas of my life. Sometimes they're older, sometimes they're younger. Mm. Uh, sometimes they're bosses, sometimes they work for me. Sometimes they're peers, <laughs> right? Um, they come in all shapes and sizes and it's the humility to recognize what is amazing about them that God blessed them with and tap into that. And, mm. and we're made to be relational beings, right? And so it is, we are the body of Christ together. And um, when we can work together that way, we can do amazing things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So speaking of some of those amazing things, after you graduated and you started out your career, you created a software company. This is what, 
maybe mm-hmm. what eight or nine years after you graduated? It was. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Just about. Just about. Okay. Um, so I, I ended up after many twists and turns leaving employment to become an independent consultant. Right. And the, I'll make this really short because we could go on forever about it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> but essentially, two and a half years later, I looked up. I, I was driving down I-66 in D.C. going to visit a client of mine. And for some reason, I'm getting off the exit and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, my goodness. I have six people working for me. And to this day, I don't remember hiring my first employee. It just kind of happened. It was like, whoa, I've got six people. That's a big responsibility. Wow. And I was still writing code 70, 80 hours a week. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. And it became a month-long discernment process of, is this really what God's calling me to be? Is this what I want to do? Or should I go tell these people, go get a job? Yeah, yeah. And, And really, it was at that point in time that, all of this story of leadership came to me and and it really was god pushing me out there and saying no david this is this is what i've called you to be go live it and trust me and we'll figure it out together and um that that was the beginning that was in 2009 late 2008 2009 um and really the story of three pillar starts then and um it was that point in time that we just started to grow and grow and and now today we have about 2500 employees around the globe uh in nine countries around the world so it's just been a (laughs) phenomenal just amazing experience so how do you balance that as a leader with 2500 people you obviously have other great leaders in place but have to yeah Yeah. so what does that look like for you to be that shepherd in a sense well you know I I would say first and foremost I love the word you use shepherd because um what I learned very early on and, and through the first several years of life running a business really prayed a lot about what am I called to? And I, and I do believe that my job, my vocation in, is to bring God's kingdom to earth. So how do I, in this very small domain that the Lord has given me, um, be that king that represents him? Uh, be that leader who is compassionate and, and merciful and cares about the human person um, and really invest in our people, um, not through any sort of spiritual way, but just in a prayerful Christian type of way, being Christ to others every day. And, and I make it a very deliberate uh, purpose to run a secular business with a Christian heart. And um, mm. that's what I try to live every single day and, and attract all sorts of people from all sorts of different walks of life, not to evangelize, not to do anything except to be Christ. And that's what I want to do. And that's my personal purpose and mission um, is to just show them um, God's leadership. And I, I fail so often, undoubtedly, but that's what I try to live is to just stay rooted in my job is to bring God's kingdom here to earth and, and ultimately be that shepherd that you talk about. And, um, wow. you know, through that experience, I have seen multiple employees, uh, you know, come to Christ in, in different ways. I've just been blessed to to run into those every now and then. And so it's it's fun to watch. So on a practical level, what do you think sets you apart? What looks different in your leadership, your company versus any other sector? Or even one? competitors that you, you know, yeah. you work with? Well, I, I would say um, th- there's one value that is at the core of our ideology as a business that really germinates from my faith. And that is the intrinsic dignity of every single human being. That value that we all live day in and day out, that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you are to be valued and you are to be respected. 
that is the foundation of what we call one team. So our whole purpose as a business, we love this idea of teams that together we can do more than the sum of the parts. And the way that you create teams, the way that you create high performing organizations is that you build trust between human beings so that you and I can share our hopes, our dreams, our opinions, our fears, our failures, what happens when you do that is all of a sudden you can wrestle with issues, you can deal with things that happen. And when you have that type of open environment and you can wrestle with those things that are hard and complex and candidly vulnerable, then you can out execute anybody in the world because you can mm. do things yeah. that nobody else can do because everybody else is in silos and politics and, and having infighting. Mm -hmm. right. and, and I think that is what sets us apart is our ability to out execute our competition because we have this incredibly healthy culture that you can feel, you can touch, you come in and people feel like they belong. Mm. And um, it's because ultimately they're respected as a human being that God gave them gifts and talents, and we honor that. Even in the point where somebody is not performing and we have to let them go, we honor them as a human being and we treat them with respect. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody call me three days after being fired and say, thank you. It was the best wow. thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's, it was inter it's interesting to hear you describe your workplace culture because it's also kind of how you felt when you stepped on campus. You were like, I belong here. These people value me. I feel at home. And here you are creating another culture just in the world, in the, in the, in the you know, free totally. market world. T so. Taking it to the secular communities. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that is what we as Franciscan are called to do, right? For so long, we've been phenomenal at building disciples and sending them into the church and evangelizing others. And I really think it's a new day at the university where the Lord is saying, that is awesome. Keep doing it. But I have more for you. Right. Now send forth disciples into the public square, into the secular communities, and show them. Don't preach. Don't tell yeah. them. Show them. Preach through your actions that. And, and I believe it's that. They will know that we are Christians by our love, right? That's what we're called to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And you've also been a huge mentor, supporter of students and young alums, you know, recent graduates. Um, is this kind of the same that you're just trying to share with them? Like, be who you are, find out who God is, or what is your... Uh, path there. Yeah, you know, I, I know you had Mike Bianco uh, on a couple <laughs> of series ago. Mike uh, is a good friend of mine. He reached out to me when he was a student here. And uh, I just love kids like this who they're hungry, they're passionate, they know their God's calling them to something new, and they're just open and they're a sponge, right? So, so men like that, yes, I feel a very deep calling to invest in the next generation of leaderships. So I told you about John. John was my mentor early on. I also have had other mentors along the way. Ed Johnson was on Franciscan's board for a long time and mentored me um, throughout building the business for a very long time and, and was an incredible mentor to me um, as a businessman, not as a technologist like John was. Um, and I've just been really blessed with people like that over and over. And I really feel like um, what is fundamentally missing in America today more than anything else is principled leadership. That if you look at the void that has been created in politics, and in business and in all these different places, people are searching and they're hungry for truth. And what's missing are courageous leaders willing to speak up and stand up for what is right and what is good. And, and anytime I see 
just a little bit of that type of leadership. Somebody that like Mike, who's willing to raise their hand and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm trying to do something great here. Will you help me? That type of humble confidence is very attractive to me. And so I love to invest in it. And I, I think part of my um, my calling in life is to invest in that next generation of leader now, um, not just at the university, but but in any place that I can find it. Right, right. So do you have any advice that you would give to students that are on campus today? Hmm. What would you tell students them? on campus? Yeah, yep. So I would I would say the one thing that has really blessed me a lot um, in my own career is I believe that people are successful at the intersection of the gifts and talents God gives them, what you're naturally good at right. and what you're naturally passionate about. Huh. I think if you can find that intersection and really do a lot of self-introspection, be honest with yourself, like I, my passion, I would have loved to be a great basketball player, but you know what? <laughs> I just was not blessed with those gifts and talents, right? I had to find what was I both passionate about and what am I good at? Um, If you can be honest with yourself about that and find that intersection, I believe God puts on our heart those things that he wants from us. And he calls us that way through those gifts and talents and through those passions that he will bless that. And so I see way too many um, students graduating, they go out just to get a job. Um, find that intersection and, and live in that and, and discern it. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, don't just seek the almighty dollar. I can promise you, no matter how much you have, it does not make you happy. Mm-hmm. What makes you happy is following God's will. And I think that's one great way to discern what it is, is that just really practical. What do I love doing? What am I great at? And the reality is Teresa makes fun of me all the time because I don't have any hobbies. Um, <laughs> Are you like, my, my job is my hobby. That's exactly what I say. I say, that I, I'm just really lucky. They happen to pay me to do my hobby. It's Aww. great. Because right? I love business. I love what I'm doing. Yeah. If you can live like that, uh, you'll you'll be living your vocation and, and very, very fulfilled. Well, and it's neat to see that you are like you've started a podcast. You're doing multimedia. You're yeah. essentially on the radio of today's world. That's right. So, it all comes full circle, see, right? Yeah. And and, and I, I'll never forget. The other thing I remember from campus, I would never forget. Father Mike said to me one time, I think it was when they first asked me to lead the festivals of praise. Um, and I was having a Carol Brown asked me and then I had a follow up with Father Mike and he said, David, God does not choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. And um, never forget that. Never forget that. Wow. It's true. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's great. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So now we're on to our hot takes from the hill. And we would love to hear who your favorite professor was oh, when you wow. were on campus. You can you can do two if you really need so, to. I can already see it. I can already see it burgeoning it, in you. So this is so hard because, <laughs> you know, you feel like there's so many that, you know, did wonderful things for you. But I got to say, um, I happen to be a little bit of a... a uh, secret hidden intellectual and Dr. Scott Hahn. Um, I was in uh, Scott's class right as he was releasing A Father Who Keeps His Promises. And um, the first class I took with him was actually a study of that book in, in Covenant Theology. And um, I, <laughs> a little hidden secret about me, I, I learned from listening. And so I remember sitting in that class, I didn't take any notes. I just drank from the fire hose and lapped it up and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I definitely, to this day, anytime I can get me some Scott Hahn, I will. <laughs> For sure. You're not alone. <laughs> okay, so was that also your favorite class or did you have a different favorite class when you were on campus? Oh, interesting. Um, You know, I, Probably in a lot of ways, though, I I did enjoy a lot of my uh, 
communications and media classes. I ended up one of uh, one of my classes. I don't remember what it was, but I ended up producing a CD um, as as a special project Ooh. for it. Yeah. Well, so the fun part is that actually led to I produced two more while I was here. One of them I, I ended up selling in the bookstore and through a couple of national magazines and ended up paying for my engagement ring for Teresa. Nuh-uh. So isn't that pretty cool? That's amazing. Yeah. So that actually gave me some life skills and, and some help. So I, I really enjoyed that type of thing, like the hands on anything that let me be a little bit entrepreneurial was was kind of fun. That's great. Um, where was your favorite place to study? Assuming if you, you did a lot. I was going to say, <laughs> if you talk to any of my friends, I bet you they say I didn't do much. Um, so I would say this probably... Um, so my best friend was Nathan Boster, and anybody that knows Nate, um, Nate is a genius, just an incredible man. Um, and uh, he and I used to go to Eaton Park a lot, and we would study at Eaton Park. Uh, they had the unlimited buffet there, and I think <laughs> yeah. that that did us some wonders, <laughs> kept us up some some late nights. So I'd probably say Eaton Park. I love it. That's great. Awesome. Okay. So did you have, besides Eaton Park, where you studied so hard, did you have a favorite thing to do off campus? You know, I spent most of my time on campus. So this is so sad. I'm I'm just I'm I'm not a fun college student. I, I don't wish think I was. This is sad. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I actually didn't go to Austria because I couldn't imagine missing campus. I loved Aww. campus that much, and <laughs> and what I was doing on campus. So I think my favorite thing to do, honestly, was intramurals. Right, like my mm-hmm. best memories were on the football and the frisbee field. Like I loved ultimate frisbee and I loved flag football, and that was probably my my favorite thing. Your um, yeah, totally. Uh, the brothers had a house off off campus that was great to go to, and and we we do all sorts of things. But it wasn't like one thing that I would do more than others. It was mm-hmm. probably Eaton Park and. and and, uh, you know, ultimate frisbee. So. <laughs> well, after moving around a lot, I'm sure you I just were wanted like, to be home. Yeah, yeah. Right. Done. Why would totally. you want to leave? You're exactly. like, I do this all the time. Exactly. That's I moved right. to Belgium, right? That's right. Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's actually very true. That, that was the other reason I didn't go to Austria is I had seen every country in Western Europe except for Spain and Portugal by the time I was 13 years no old. No way. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You were kind of like, been there, done that. I'd rather stay in Ohio. So so sad. I actually should have gone. No. I missed a great experience. So did did that shape at all you making a company that's worldwide? Yeah, Yeah. global company. You know, I don't think it did. Um, It probably made me a little bit more comfortable doing that, maybe. Mm. Um, But no, I think that was just really, really pragmatic and got opening doors for me more than anything. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. where did you and Teresa go on your first date? Oh, um, the it? restaurant was called Jaggin' Around. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is very Franciscan, too. You guys are going <laughs> to laugh at me. Um, but we, um, so we were both in chapel ministry together. Ooh. She was the head sacristan, and I was the head of sound. <laughs> and so a our- match, A match made in Franciscan heaven. Oh, there it, it gets is. better. Oh, gosh. Our very first date was right after Friday night mass that we worked together. Nice. Yeah. I mean, isn't nice. that sad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, and she'll tell, if she were here, she'd tell you the story um, that uh, it was a horrible date because I took her to dinner and then it was the night of the talent show and came back and I dropped her off. I let her go by herself. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that horrible? <laughs> I left her wanting more. Yeah, just, there, you yeah. Go. there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh. Okay, so our last question. Have you ever run into an alum in an unexpected place? 
So, um, yeah, I've got, (laughs) this is a great story. I was flying through Dallas. I do a lot of travel. And so I've run into a lot of different um, folks before, but probably the one that was the most shocking and incredible was um, I was in Dallas, Texas at DFW airport. And I was in line getting on a plane that had arrived late and off that plane walks Bishop Sam Jacobs and Father Harold Amamshah. Um, and Father Harold had been actually on the Festival of Praise team with me while I was here. And I had done sounds during so many summer conferences that I had mic'd up Bishop yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Jacobs 13 different times. Right. And so it was like this incredible reunion, I don't know, seven years after mm-hmm. I had graduated or something like that um, at DFW Airport. And I'll, I'll never <laughs> forget that. That was just like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Both of them there together. Both of them, yeah. yep, yep. They were flying together and ran into both of them, and it was it was. I crazy. love it. I so. would be so curious to know if Franciscan alums travel at a higher percentage than others because <laughs> everybody sees somebody in the airport in the airport in an unexpected way. Yeah, I think it's like eighty percent of our of our guests are like airport. <laughs> so it's airport. It's always an airport. It's always yeah. an airport. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think. I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's awesome. Um, well, David, just to close, I want to give you a moment. Um, as uh, the chair, the vice chair of the board of trustees, um, to just share a little bit about what's the exciting part of the campaign um, and what's going on right now. You've had a huge part in that. And we just want to thank you for all that you've done and maybe share some of the good news with um, our listeners. Yeah, the, the Lord has blessed us so much. You know, we, we launched this capital campaign. And when we did, um, we announced the $75 million campaign and that we really felt the Lord was calling uh, us to rebuild his church. And um, as we have gone out to raise money, we, we launched with more capital raised than we ever imagined we would at that phase. And as of yesterday, Father Dave um, called me up and said, David, you won't believe this, but on commencement day, which is today, we just got done with commencement. I'm going to be able to announce we just crossed the $75 million range. Wow! And so we have, uh, <laughs> we have now, as father said during commencement, we're not done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, God says, uh, I want to give you even more. And uh, we think he's calling us to even more and we'll continue uh, to build and, and to, to try to send forth joyful disciples. And, and with that, that does require capital. And so we're going to continue raising funds, but so amazing that that was the number we discerned in here we are um, celebrating in the 75th year of the university at right. commencement and that we raised said, $75 You said yesterday for our listeners, I don't know when this episode will drop, that's yeah. Feast Day of Our Lady of Fatima. So I'm just going to give a little shout out to Our to Lady. To Our Lady. Because yeah. I'm just going to say a lot of people get here to Franciscan University because of their moms, heavenly and so earthly. True. So I'm just going to give a little shout out yeah. there. There you go. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. And, and just huge gratitude to um, the, the staff who have been so involved. I oh, know amen. so many um, you know, Bob Hickey, Tim Delaney, uh, Father Dave obviously has been a huge part, and so many others in the advancement and alumni departments that have been out on the road and really telling the story of what we think God's calling us to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for the leadership, but also um, just everybody who has been generous, right? There's a lot of people that have been generous in supporting the university and mm-hmm. says, we, we believe in this mission. And so thank you to, to all our listeners who, who yeah. did contribute and are helping us. Yeah, and it's not over. There's still right. time to, there's still <laughs> to more. support. There, there's right. a long list of projects we didn't fund with the first uh, 75 <laughs> right. million. So if we can just raise another 75, right? If hey. you, you guys can tell Bob Hickey, <laughs> David said another 75. Here we go. Here we go. Is there anything that you're particularly excited to see in this new phase? 
of the campus? You know, th- there's there's a lot of things. Uh, I'm really passionate about the Institute for Leadership. Obviously, it's a big passion of mine and, and um, what we're doing uh, with that institute and the Center for Entrepreneurship that w- is within it, I think will help us to send forth those joyful disciples mm-hmm. into the secular world. Um, but I, I, what I love about this campaign is it was discerned and, and it was very clear to us as a board, as the, the staff and the leadership presented the vision, that this is what God's calling us to, to, to do. And so the, the academic building that is being paired faith and reason with the conference center, I think is going to be an incredible um, life-giving building for the, for the university where we can bring together not only students, but with outsiders who come to study uh, and to come to learn and to be inspired in their faith. Um, I think, you know, that, that building will have a brand new nursing lab in it. Um, the criminal justice program that has already been launched um, unbelievable that it has already blown away um, our expectations in terms of the number of students in that program. That are interested uh, that, in that, this path. Not, not only interested, but are actually signed up and in the degree program already, right? It, it's unbelievable. I don't have the latest numbers, but I was shocked the last board meeting to see just how we're beating those metrics. And obviously God is blessing what he called us to, to do. And so yeah. over and over again, um, and, and then what's also exciting is that giving begets more giving and more generosity. And so we see even even outside of the capital campaign, there are projects like the athletics fields that weren't in the campaign that were funded to build now locker rooms and bathrooms up at the athletic fields. Um, there was a generous donor who said, you know, my passion is the chapel and has funded a renovation of the chapel, right? There are some things like that that are just so exciting um, that that God just obviously has a plan for this university. At a time when other universities are contracting, he's blessing us and saying going forth. Hmm. Amen. And thank you for being a part of that and the whole board for the vision and the support. And I feel like we're just in very good hands right now. So thank you for all of your leadership and support. Well, God, God has a plan and we're always in his plan. So uh, you're very welcome. But I, I'm so grateful for the university because it's been just a huge part of my life. And every single person that works here now and has in the past uh, is, is a special part of that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for visiting campus. And uh, we look forward to seeing all the wonderful new things happening. Well, me too. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.